Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast brought to you by the Hoop Heads Podcast Network and hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, as always. Today, I'm coming at you solo again. But like I mentioned on last week's episode, I do have plans to bring on some more guests to go along with some of the key dates coming up. And speaking of those key dates, uh, the NBA and the uh, National Basketball Players Association, excuse me, MBPA, have agreed um, officially to start the season on December 22nd. The uh, November 18th draft next Thursday has already been uh, set in stone. But the last time we touched base, um, the news had been a little more pessimistic, talking about how time was running out and... Um, a start prior to Christmas as opposed to Martin Luther King Day could save the league uh, up to $500 million. So um, good for the league, I suppose, that they were able to figure that out. Maybe not so great for the players who are uh, definitely at increased risk of injuries with uh, without the same amount of rest that they typically get. Um, but with these huge dates, finally... Um, set in stone as i've said a bunch of other uh important details have been mentioned um from before as well not necessarily going along with the uh news of the restart was that uh the team has excel or excuse me the league has accelerated talks um uh surrounding a four-team play-in tournament that would be between the 7 to 10 seeds, similar to that of the NBA bubble. It would obviously, uh, as always, it would uh, be the case in both the Eastern and Western Conference, and the parameters include um, the 9 and the 10 seeds having to win uh, twice uh, without losing, and then uh, from there I'm assuming the 7 and 8 seeds would have to uh, lose two games there and then um, along with the December 22nd uh, start approval um, forget if I mentioned that the December 22nd start includes uh, a total of 72 games for this season whereas if they would have start, started on Martin Luther King Day it maybe would have been closer to uh, somewhere between 60 to 64 games perhaps and uh I had also heard that 72 was particularly important for the league and 
uh, teams around the association because um, like what we heard with the bubble, uh, 70 games is a trigger date for many of the local broadcast networks uh, or for teams to get a particular payout. I don't know a ton of the a ton of the details there, but just a little added motivation there for those like myself questioning uh, the motivation for the league rushing uh, this re- this uh, this uh, new NBA restart. I keep wanting to call it, call it a restart because. Um, just just because we haven't we're not really that far removed from basketball and it's really nice for us fans but it is just a normal start to a regular season the restart was really the bubble so i'm going to try and stick to to those key terms some more news along with uh the uh ironed out dates are that the nba and the mbpa have announced an increased escrow of 18 percent over the next two years, and then it would drop back down to the usual 10% uh, for the 2022-2023 season. Um, I don't believe I need to to explain to everyone what an escrow is, nor would I be the best person to explain that to everyone, but but uh, I guess all you need to know if you're unfamiliar is that um, Basically, for the next two years, the NBA is going to be withholding 8% of all of the players' salaries. And then uh, based on, um, I guess, based on the amount of loss and how much the owners would have to uh, recoup from this season, um, they may end up losing that 18% that's held out from the rest of their contracts. Um, so maybe as, as uh, compared to other seasons... Um, in addition to this escrow being increased, um, they're also at uh, players are rather at a higher risk of of losing the escrow um, account compared to other seasons. Um, in addition, with the salary cap, um, it's locked in for the twenty uh, this upcoming season 2020-2021. Um, almost just 2021 season, but it is both 2020 and 2021 season now that they're starting in December. Um, The salary cap and the luxury tax threshold will remain the same as it was last season um, at 109.14 million for the salary cap and Uh, 132.627 million for the luxury cap or luxury tax threshold and the uh, salary cap and threshold are guaranteed to grow by a minimum of three percent over the next three years and then increase by uh, a maximum of ten percent so um yeah as far as teams are concerned and well maybe more so players especially in Giannis's case as he's due for uh, quite a pay increase. Uh, that's that's good news for him. And uh, as as someone who who does a little bit of writing on the side, uh, covering the league, it's it's made it a lot easier on me too. Considering that pretty much all this off season, I've been I've been operating and doing my salary cap projections as if they were to remain remain the same. Because um, well, we just had no idea what to what to predict otherwise. Um, I I thought at the time it would have been pretty tough to to predict that that they would increase the salary cap at all considering how much they had lost but also um 
salary cap pretty much always goes up from what I understand too since uh, NBA's pretty much been printing printing out money especially um, within the past decade or so as it's increased in popularity so uh, I suppose it makes sense for all parties to to keep it the same and to have a have a minimum but also a maximum increase uh, over the next few years. This means that uh, Giannis's Supermax extension, um, which is since he fits the, the Supermax criteria or the designated veteran uh, criteria more, more officially, as it's called, um, he's eligible to make a starting salary in the first year of $38 million point, uh, $199 million over the next five years with raises of 8% of that uh, first year, $38 million. Um, I guess as Bucks fans are concerned as to whether and what implications that has as far as Giannis sticking with the team or not, I think I've, I don't know how much I've really talked about it on this, on this podcast, maybe more so in my writing. Um, but Largely someone of Giannis's caliber caliber, he's guaranteed to make make a maximum salary over over the next ten years, uh, regardless of of what contract he signs, how many contracts he signs, um, if he, you know if he if he ends up signing just one plus one deals, or if he ends up signing with us over five years, he's he's guaranteed to to uh, to be able to sign a max contract no matter what and Kevin Durant signing a max contract at his age and considering his devastating injury that just further supports that Giannis really doesn't have a ton of risk here and his as far as where he ends up in the seasons to come it really depends it it really just weighs on uh, Giannis's trust in the Bucks or any organization's ability to uh, win in the long term um let's see but so as of right now i guess i should expand upon Giannis has completed seven nba seasons um and then once he completes so it'll be eight after this year once his contract is finished um and then once he has 10 years of experience he'll be able to make um he he would be able to jump another five percent in within the percentage of the cap that he would be able to make with his maximum salary um also of note with with maximum contracts players are um they can make either um a percentage of the cap depending on their years of experience and of course if they make the designated veteran criteria but also they cannot make any less than uh a hundred and four point five percent of the their previous year's salary too. So um, that's also worth taking into account when we're projecting Giannis's salary for many years out. Um, so yeah, that's why, you know, with, with the rising cap, I guess it's, it's supported uh, LeBron in the past in signing one plus one deals. And then of course, a Kevin Durant and a Kawhi Leonard signing shorter term deals because they know as long as the salary cap increases, which it's guaranteed to to increase at least marginally, maybe less than it is in years past, but I'd have to go go back and look. Um, suppose monetarily it makes more sense, um, or 
for for Giannis to uh, it makes more sense for Giannis to sign a short short term deal. Um, but yeah, so if he if Giannis weren't to sign a one plus one, it may make more sense for him to sign a two plus one because after this season, if he signs a two year contract with a player option, he could then uh, complete two years after this season, and then that would get him up to. Uh, that would get him up to 10 years of experience, and then he could perhaps uh, make as much as uh, 40% of the overall salary cap. So, um, yeah, I, I certainly wish I had more to report to everybody here on this, but um, I, I, I guess I'll be about as shocked as anybody else here once I find out what Giannis does, uh, regardless of what his decision may be. Um, regardless of Giannis, um, also just wanted to touch base on the uh, luxury uh, tax threshold where it stands right now. Uh, according to Spot Track, the Bucks are within uh, $2 million and $32,000 of that $132,227,000 luxury uh, tax threshold. So it's obviously they're pretty likely that the Bucks. Uh, would exceed that luxury tax threshold, especially considering that that takes into account, um, pardon me, Wesley Matthews' uh, player option, which is uh, just around two million dollars and some change. And you'd, you'd have to think that the Bucks and and if not the Bucks, any many other teams would be willing to pay him more than that. But the Bucks definitely should uh, consider it. Consider it a priority this offseason outside of Giannis's extension to bring back Wes Matthews. Um, it also does take into consideration Ursan Ilyasova's $7 million guarantee. I'll get into more later on why uh, Ursan or why the Bucks may be inclined to pay Ursan that $7 million. Um, I guess I can just say it now, it's really short. Basically, um, for salary cap filler, it makes sense for the Bucks to hold on to Urson because uh, he's kind of like a nice middling sal- salary to put in there, and is is really really pertinent if they want to make any any trades for a player with a high salary, like say a Chris Paul or a Victor Oladipo. Uh, he's especially vital in a Chris Paul trade, as we need to throw in anything we can get, excluding. Uh, Giannis and Chris Middleton, of course. Hopefully we'd be able to keep Brooke Lopez in that deal since I've been pushing for that in any Chris Paul trades where the Thunder with with Steven Adams, they don't have a ton of use for for Brooke Lopez anyway. Uh, he may be a better fit in the modern NBA and they may want to go that realm, but we, we would want to fight to keep Brooke considering how important he is to our team. Um, and then that also does take into consideration, of course, the, the dead money that we have on our books, that being Larry Sanders, Mirza Toledovic, um, maybe a John Lure as well. I'd have to go back and double check that, but we can't do anything about that. And I would expect the bucks to spend, (laughs) to spend a little more than $2 million this off season. So expect the bucks to be in the luxury tax next season, but Hey, like luckily we traded away Malcolm Brogdon, uh, last off season so so luckily we delayed that that uh luxury tax bill by a year what do you think about that bucks owners or bucks fans it's a topic for another day and many days before some more nba news to get to get through um maybe this isn't bucks heavy en- en- enough for our listeners out there but um 
I don't know what what else you could ask for. Clearly, there aren't games going on. Um, maybe for the best, there aren't a ton of trade rumors out there for the Bucks, and we aren't we don't have the best draft slot yet. But we will be getting uh, we will be uh, getting to some more draft analysis later. But I think it's important for all NBA fans, regardless of if you root for the Bucks or anybody else, um, to understand these dates. Uh, so then you can prepare for when games are and when to look out for trades, free agency, etc. So without further ado, um, besides those dates that I've outlined, the NBA also released protocols uh, requiring um, fans or it sounds like anyone. It doesn't necessarily say whether it's just fans or if it includes coaches as well, but uh, NBA protocol is that um, those within 30 feet of the court must register a negative uh, COVID-19 test pr- two days prior to the game or a rapid test the day of. Um, in addition, uh, fans will be allowed to um, view the game from the suites at the very least. And those suites are allowed to be at, at no greater than a 25% capacity, uh, but no tests are necessarily mandated there. That could increase, at least in the suites, it's a little unclear in some of Shams and Woj's reporting here, um, but if, if we're just sticking to the suites, because that's why I know for sure, I'm unsure if they're opening up the whole arena, um, and that's that's obviously quite a big difference if you're distinguishing between just the suites and the entire arena, but assuming they're playing it somewhat cautious and limiting it to the suites, um, the suite capacity can... Um, Increase to up to 50% as long as all the fans are tested or if the local county's positivity rate is 3% or lower or uh, below the weak average of new cases per, or pardon me, let me try that again. Um, so uh, those suites can uh, reach a capacity up to 50% um, if all the fans are tested or if the local county's positivity rate is 3% or below, or if the weak average of new cases in that county uh, per 100,000 citizens is 10 or fewer. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks fans, especially considering the state of of our uh, state and area especially, um, I, I definitely wouldn't get my hopes up there but I don't know. I don't know exactly how accessible suites are to all the fans out there. But as far as I'm concerned, um, it would have to. It would take a huge change for in our country, obviously, and with this pandemic, for me to feel comfortable going to games. I'm assuming the same as with a lot of you out there, and um, even even for before I'm even comfortable enough to to go there. It sounds like it sounds like. Uh, live viewing experiences won't be uh will be a little more uh, few and far between but we weren't necessarily expecting to see games live this season so hoopheads nation we appreciate you listening to this episode of knuck if you buck with devin zanskis be sure to check out our other team focused nba pods cavalier central risen grind 305 culture blazing the path and hashtag Lakers. If you're looking for more basketball coaching, playing, and parenting talk, subscribe to these basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, 
player's court, and bleachers and boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. I'll carry on, carry on with some more news. Uh, more Bucks related here, and um, unsure exactly the tone the tone of which I'm supposed to be reading this here, but uh, Sterling Brown did reach a $750,000 settlement settlement with the city of Milwaukee for his civil rights lawsuit accusing the uh, Milwaukee Police Department of of uh, racially profiling him and using uh, excessive force and unnecessarily uh, using a taser on him back in January uh, 2018. And uh, along with the settlement, uh, Milwaukee agrees they admit to the constitutional violation and agree to uh, commit to uh, incorporate uh, changes to avoid this happening in the future. Um, me sitting here right now, it's kind of hard for me to, to, I don't really know what to make of that and what kind of changes to ex- expect from this, but um, Sterling, it definitely doesn't stop here for Sterling either. Um, for he's 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 been active in the fight against uh, social injustice and racism for quite a long time, uh, along with many others within the NBA. Uh, beyond what I'm about to announce here, which was that the NBA and MBPA agreed to create a social justice co- coalition to enhance um, social justice and equality, and um, Shams did include. Uh, include in the report though though it's obviously no surprise but it's just a nice touch that uh, a lot of this was a result from the Bucks strike back in August Uh, the board on this social justice coalition includes uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver NBA NBA Deputy Commissioner Mark Mark Tatum NBPA Executive Director Michelle Roberts the governors of this board include Heat owner Mickey Arison, Clippers owner, Steve Ballmer, Thunder owner, Clay Bennett, your Milwaukee Bucks owner, Mark Lazary, and Kings over Vivek Ranadive. Players are uh, the Bucks, Sterling Brown, Carmelo Anthony, Avery Bradley, Donovan Mitchell, and Carl Anthony Towns, with coaches being Lloyd Pierce and Doc Rivers. No real surprises there, but um, in closing out that list of the Board of Governors there with uh, Mark Lazary and Vivek Ranadive reminds me of of some of the work that particularly the Bucks and the Sacramento Kings have done together. Um, maybe maybe a couple uh, unlikely teammates there, but they, um, they've already had two and have announced a third installment of their uh, Team Up for Change campaign. The first of which was uh, held at the Sacramento Arena. I believe this would have been back in 2018. And then back in this past February 9th and 10th uh, in Milwaukee, the Bucks uh, held the second installment, which was uh, a two-day summit at the Forum to uh, further address social injustice and uh, community challenge. So nice to see that that the Bucks and the Kings have... have uh, been working and developing progress within our communities even before 
the 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 NBA bubble and and all the pro- protesting that was uh, highlighted over the summer. But then this third installment includes uh, more beyond the Kings and the Bucks and includes uh, seven other NBA and WNBA teams. In their third summit, uh, the teams will include the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Lynx, the Indiana Pacers and Indiana Fever, the Dallas Mavericks and Dallas Wings, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, And then that is pretty much all that we have as far as real set in stone news and so I'm I'm gonna get, get in I'm gonna put on my armchair GM hat here and get in get into a little bit more of some rumors and some of my own speculation and some breaking news too. Allow me to check my phone to see if anything else has happened because it seems like things are really heating up here lately with the uh, shortened off season. Um, yesterday there was a report that I first saw from, I believe it was uh, ESPN's Brian Winhurst that the Suns are interested in Chris Paul. That has since developed today where it, it could be as as much as a four-team trade as I've heard that, um, if I remember correctly, I know that, that Dallas would have been included and then uh, perhaps the Clippers as well if it were to get up to four teams. Um, but I just kind of laid out here again i'm going to go through this a little quickly as i know i've done it before but uh, so fans are aware um the oklahoma city thunder what makes it partially difficult for them is that they have to take back at least 33 million uh 187,051 dollars and 20 cents exactly to the to the cent <laughs> um if they were to send out just chris paul and that aligns with the 125 percent uh plus a hundred thousand dollar rule um and yeah so basically how how can i how can i word this properly basically if you take uh, um 125 percent of uh, the salary that i just listed out there just uh 33 million and some change add a uh, hundred thousand dollars to it then you'll then you'll get right ex- right exactly to chris paul's number and that's that's how I got there, and uh, a couple players that I had um, kind of in mind because obviously the uh, the Suns will will certainly not give up a Devin Booker or a DeAndre Ayton in order to get Chris Paul back. So some of their middling salaries uh, that I've mentioned the importance of before would include a Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, who's been rumored in a lot of places considering. Um, him being a really valuable two-way talent on an affordable deal. So essentially essentially those would be the uh those two Rubio and Ubre would be the backbone of that trade as far as salaries go, but then um you definitely hope uh, as a Thunder that you would get some kind of some kind of young ac- uh asset back. Um maybe that be uh, McCall Bridges, Cam Johnson, and or first round pick and um, as a uh, as a Bucks fan too, for some months here beyond these reports, uh, another team that stuck out, in which I'd hate if this came to fruition for, was that um, would would be the 76ers going after Chris Paul. I've always thought that if uh, they were able to send out Tobias Harris, although he's definitely on a negative value contract right now, 
it may be worth consideration for the Thunder considering that they that then they wouldn't be inclined at all to bring back an expensive Danilo Gallinari. Maybe maybe they weren't planning on bringing him back anyway and it's less important, but maybe they do want to bring him back and then if they were to trade for Harris, they wouldn't have to cuz they're um about as redundant as as it gets as as Clipper fans would know, but Harris alone would be would be plenty of salary to send out for Chris Paul and then they could also include any of their uh cheap young assets including uh Zaire Smith, uh probably preferably for the Thunder, Matisse Thybulle, uh Forkan Korkmaz who right now has a non-guarantee but uh, he's definitely likely to be guaranteed as he's at a minimum and a Shake Milton who uh started in some games in the playoffs for the 76ers but there was the uh well-documented kind of spat between him and Joel Embiid. Hopefully that's been settled and it's nothing nothing major, but, you know, if it were to be, the Sixers wouldn't hesitate to throw him in this. And the uh, the Sixers do have kind of a surprisingly decent amount of draft assets left, including three second-rounders in this upcoming draft and uh, most, if not all, of their firsts in the upcoming draft. I figured um, that, that's, that's all I feel like I really have to say on Chris Paul. I guess quickly, I did see another Bleacher Report article just before coming back on the podcast here. Kind of some other some other trades in the same vein would be um, uh, New York Knicks throwing in basically the farm for Chris Paul, although maybe they're more inclined to trade for someone else who I'm about to mention. Uh, the Hornets may want to go a- go after Chris Paul, which would um, they they definitely have to throw in a little more than a, than a Nicholas Batum, but. Um, if if it were to include Nicholas Batum, and then maybe they could get a get a young asset back like a Devonte Graham and a pick, that would I would think that'd be pretty enticing um, from the Hornets. Um, but then otherwise, I'll just run through my trade that I've always proposed, and that would be um, sending uh, Bledsoe Hill, guaranteeing uh, Ursan Ilyasova, and kind of enforcing the importance of. Of guaranteeing his contract to have some kind of middling salary to move out um that salary is is incredibly necessary there especially if we don't want to move anyone like a uh anyone like a brooke lopez um perhaps perhaps it could get done too if it, if uh if it would include a uh robin lopez instead as i know he's made he's his player option that he's going to pick up is going to be about five million dollars and some change um but then, of course, we have to have some real asset in there, so that would have to include uh, the Indiana pick, or a future pick, and or a Dante Divincenzo, um, or a DJ Wilson. But yeah, I'm kind of um, obviously through this offseason, I've been kind of brewing up, brewing up trades not only for Chris Paul, as you all um, know it, as it's abundantly clear from what I've talked about, but also Victor Oladipo, Drew Holiday, etc. and you know, I've been been coming to terms with slowly and not truly admitting it to myself. But the Bucks, I've been getting more and more pessimistic about about um, what the Bucks would be able to send out to entice one of those teams to send back a formidable guard. But I mean, looking at this bunch that I that I compiled here um, from mostly from, from Bleacher Report, I'd say the only asset that's definitively stronger than. Um, then Dante DiVincenzo would be McCall Bridges, uh, Dante's former teammate at Villanova, 
um, especially in the bubble. He showed that he's that he definitely has all all defensive potential there. Two yeah. K definitely seems to think that that Dante Divincenzo has has some uh, all defensive upside. Um, that that be, I think think that's a little little kind on two K, although it's not outside of the realm of possibility. But I think especially if you include Dante here, um, he's kind of he's kind of in the same realm as like a McCall Bridges, uh, Matisse Tybel as as the number one asset that I've mentioned from the Sixers or a Devonte Graham. So I'm starting to get my hopes up a little bit that. That if we were to include Dante, we could get something real done, and and even though Mark Schindler um, touched on it, that that it wouldn't be, it would be quite risky to get a Chris Paul due to his age and the amount of games that he's available for in prior years. Um, I I think I think getting a move, or rather uh, completing a big splash this off season would be really important for the Bucks, if nothing else, than to show Giannis that we're really serious and we're willing to go out and get get someone who's. Who's a former former All Star in a Victor Oladipo, former All Defense, and someone who's swung playoff series before in a Drew Holiday, and of course Chris Paul, uh, who's just second team All NBA last season. Um, moving on from there, um, the breaking news I I alluded to before was was around Russell Westbrook. Definitely not going to touch that on it at all. I just want to advise all Bucks fans to to not even begin to think about bringing Russell Westbrook onto this team, as it would be, uh, as it would just be a, an awful fit with Giannis. They're pretty much they're uh, exceedingly similar players, uh, just with uh, <laughs> uh, just with uh, obviously different uh, frames and body types, but both rely heavily on their athleticism and are sort of uh, liabilities behind the three-point line. So definitely don't get, get ahead of yourself there, Bucks fans. I I did see see a proposed trade out there from, from and uh, forgive me for this diction, but an unruly Rockets fan, if I may. That'd be uh, a good friend of mine, Britt, from Sports Business Classroom this past year. Shout out Britt and being on my uh, New York Knicks team when we did the, uh, the mock uh, free agency there she's a real one she's got an awesome uh podcast which name escapes me but um we definitely won't be doing any kind of trade especially not involving a chris middleton to get a russell westbrook and and anyone who tells you to is being either being foolish or is just maybe a little upset at the fact that uh someone who they gave up so many assets and made trades to accommodate the fit around him uh has demanded a trade after only one year Next, I'd like to get into a mailbag question. Uh, as uh, as I often do, I love to rely on my wonderful big brother Drew, whom I wouldn't be here without. And uh, may- maybe he'll maybe he'll be a guest on a future pod if things go right. But we'll see there. Uh, but if nothing else, he's always kind enough to br- provide me with some mailbag questions. And uh, he asks, uh, "Where where could I see a good fit for DJ around uh, the NBA?" And uh, some fits. I mean, I'm I'm really just looking at places that um, are really. I mean, compared to other, compared to um, teams around the NBA, because hardly any teams really need big men at this point. That's definitely a huge surplus around the league. Um, but the Celtics definitely jump out there. They have some young big men as well. But I think DJ is kind of right around that same caliber of of a of a of a grant williams um i'd I'd say he fits in 
he and Grant Williams are pretty good comps, although they have different um, builds and capabilities. But they're they're both they're both big and can switch and can shoot. Um, not like a ton of creation or passing there, but not liabilities on either end by any means. Rockets. <laughs> Uh, clearly in need of a center, and now that Russell Westbrook's on the move, they won't be as hesitant to pick one up. But with DJ's shooting and switching ability, I think he'd be a fit there uh, regardless of whether or not Russell's there. Um, the Miami Heat stuck out to me as well. As much as we don't want to be linked with them as much at the moment, um, you could definitely see it in the playoffs where they could have used some more uh, reliable size um, at the back end of their roster. Uh, and then there's a Derek Jones Jr. for them who will be becoming a free agent. Um, it's also Kelly Oubre and Myers, Myers Leonard. I'm fairly confident in his expiring Kelly Oubre, or I just say Kelly Oubre twice. Kelly Olenek is, uh, is a big beef between those two if, you're, if anyone's looking into NBA fights uh, this evening. But uh, Kelly Olenek uh, could be expiring as well. I'd have to double check that. Not my job to necessarily know all the heats rust or maybe you should check in with my friend jj at the 305 culture podcast also jotted down the blazers who can basically use talent anywhere but they also have have an expiring hassan whiteside who they could definitely be bring, be bringing back but they were also playing a wenyan gabriel in the playoffs who i'd be fairly confident that dj is it would at least be an improvement upon him although i could definitely see some untapped potential from what i've seen from wenyan on the blazers Wizards have been strongly linked to Anyaka Kongwu. Um, have uh, some underwhelming bigs and a Thomas Bryant and a Mo Wagner who they could maybe try to improve upon there. Although they do already have a have a Rui Hachimura, but I think there's room for uh, there's room for DJ there. And and unlike some of the teams that I've mentioned, um, I think DJ isn't quite. Mm. It's sort of tough. I think he could fit in well on the back of a bench similar to that on the Bucks for a lot of contending teams. Bucks fans definitely wish he could get more run for us. But although even even though he he doesn't get run for us, I feel like he should and maybe he could with some of the more proven teams like I've mentioned, but uh, he could have some real opportunities with with a team like the Wizards who are maybe looking at development more, which uh DJ definitely has some room to improve, but we we all see him See him in the in the gym working on his game as he's posting about it a ton over social media. And the last team I had here, and this was a team that I just threw in because I wanted to throw in someone with a little bit of cap space. Because um, uh, if we would be moving DJ, it would be via trade. So looking for someone who'd be willing to take back some kind of money would be the Atlanta Hawks. Um, DJ was only making uh, $4 million, uh $548,280 this year. So certainly a value, I would say, especially if we could we give him some run on the court. But when the Hawks, I look at their lineup and they don't really have a lot of true... Um, they have a lot of bigs in, in a Damian Jones, uh, Dwayne Dedman. They just traded for Clint Capella, obviously. Um, even a John Collins, I, I sometimes wonder if he would, he would be best uh, at the center position, maybe not as he's somewhat of a liability, but I, I see a lot of the bigs as more of uh, true centers than than those who could kind of uh, shade between the 
the four and the five spot. So maybe that would be somewhere where DJ could, could catch a flyer. I guess Drew had a follow-up question here as well. He was saying, do you expect um, DJ to get more time with Marvin's retirement and and Ursan's uh, non-guarantee? And kind of like what I was touching on before, I expect the Bucks to guarantee Ursan's contract. And with uh, Bud's maybe fleeting, but not quite as not quite fleeting as much as as uh, Bud's belief in DJ, um, but Bud Bud still seems to have some trust in a Robin Lopez, and you wonder if there is any other li- underlying motivation with keeping Brooke Lopez happy, who performed quite well for us in the playoffs. Um, I, I I guess I say all that to say that I don't quite see see an opening for DJ, but. Um, yeah, that answers the question. I don't really see an opening for DJ, but I continue to hope that, uh, that he improves, but gives him a chance. And, uh, I guess a nurse on Elias Silva regression isn't necessarily out of the cards too, in which that would open a slot for DJ. Without further ado, I'll get into our weekly draft analysis. This one I'm really excited about, and I would probably right, right off, right off the bat, give him, um, I'm going to throw Tyrese Maxey at number one at the top of my, well, I guess this list would be called reasonable draft prospects for the Bucks. Although as times passed, I've come to realize that uh, it may be more wishful thinking that Tyrese would fall to us. But I mean, it makes sense then that he'd be at the top of my list. Tyrese Maxey, he is a uh, uh, 6'3", uh, 198-pound guard with his 6'6 wingspan. He has uh, exceptional balance and footwork on his shot. He's effective shooting from long range and is comfortable uh, going off the dribble in either direction. Uh, the draft analyst that I was um, that I was reading up from uh, seems seems to believe that his shooting mechanics and uh, off the dribble driving ability would indicate that he's better than his percentages show. Although those percentages are uh, kind of bleak at a forty two point seven percent from the field and twenty nine point two from three. Um, but, um, yeah, I would, this, this same analyst, I guess I'll continue on with, with their specific thoughts is that, um, part of it would have to, uh, may have to do with the role that Tyrese had, uh, in Kentucky and them being perhaps over reliant on him than, than they would be on a lot of players and on, on a packed roster like Kentucky. Um, and part of that may have also played into his prone, um, excuse me, him being prone to having a bit of t- tunnel vision on the perimeter, uh, kind of missing out on on dump-offs to, to the big. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll go back to more of his strengths and then, and then we'll dive into more of his weaknesses. Um, he's, he's really good at, at uh, using a change of, change, of, change of pace in his, in his dribble moves to get past defenders. He's a quick release on his jumper and, uh, He's he's also uh, pretty good at finishing through contact with both hands. Uh, he shield he does a good job shielding the ball on drives and protects himself from defenders uh, around the rim. Rather uses the rim to to shield himself uh, from defenders when driving. He uh, shoots a high a high percentage on floaters. Um, although as as I was gonna get into. Uh, Later, he he may rely on floaters a little too much, um, especially considering his his driving and finishing ability. None, nonetheless, uh, 
What's what's really attractive is is his two way ability too. He's a tremendous on ball defender. Um, does a great job mirroring his opponents and reacts quickly to ball handlers. And he's also exceptional at, at getting skinny around getting skinny around screens and uh, communicating on on switches and helping. And he also uh, stays solid and doesn't gamble on steals. So his steal numbers aren't high, but that's not necessarily indicative of whether or not he's he's going to be a successful defender at all because uh, those who gamble tend to be out of position uh, a lot more than those who don't. Uh, going back through so- some of the negatives, to be fair, on Tyrese, our shot selection and... Um, He's maybe also a little too uh, predictable on drives, which can get him into foul trouble. Uh, but also uh, with his size, it's not—he doesn't have an exceptional size. I mean, you you look at him; he looks like a—he looks like a pretty strong, built, stout kid for for being a a six three. Maybe maybe you'd expect him to be. I mean, he's right around two hundred pounds, so measurables don't really aren't really. Uh, too much of an indictment on him, but but if he does continue to measure out at just six three, kind of it's it's still a little, little short for for the average two guard in the NBA. So the the ability for him to run an offense or improve his shooting would be crucial if he wants to succeed at the higher level. Um, as as his uh, percentages will show, uh, consistency could be uh, a bit of an issue for him. Uh, I guess the the analyst that I was reading about as well was saying that that he could go he could go for thirty against a uh, against a top twenty ranked team one day and then he could go um, and then he could go for like five points against a against a division two team the next. So uh, if we're looking for for a leader, we would want a little more consistency consistency out of Maxi. But in that in that same breath, I don't really want to want to speak poorly on his character uh or leadership and tangibles because that would that would uh that would actually reflect as the opposite of what i've heard i mean for all from all i hear and i know it's um people say it all the time but but he does really live in the gym so i would bet money on him improving uh tremendously throughout his time in the nba and i'd also bet on him uh, having a really long uh, career, but yeah, not a ton of weaknesses either. Um, just hopefully he can uh, maybe add a little more strength and weight to hold hold up against uh, some larger wings if he does end up switching on, which he will end up switching on to uh, some bigger twos or or some uh, small forwards in the NBA. Some comps that we got for him uh, was that of a George Hill, which. Uh, Checks out perfectly looking at uh, his measurables. Uh, shout out Milwaukee Bucks is George Hill. And also uh, they mentioned him having shades of a Jordan Clarkson there too. But I mean, it's, it's, it sounds, I, I feel like that's, that's kind of an overused comp for, for, for guards who've kind of have definitely have playmaking ability, but don't get others involved as much as alluding to somewhat of Tyrese's, uh, tunnel vision so I'm, I'm happy with sticking with that george hill comp from there um and looking at the time i think that will be it for today i just want to wish a happy veterans day to all the veterans out there and sincerely uh 
thank all of you out there who've uh, provided the ultimate sacrifice for us uh, back here at home. And uh, a special shout out to um, Bucks' own Marshall Plumley, who played eight games for the Milwaukee Bucks back in uh, back in the 2017-2018 season. I actually saw that he is a that he's a veteran uh, from the New York Knicks Twitter page, and he also spent some time there as well. We're also familiar with his brother Miles, but yeah, Marshall Plumley, former uh, former NBA player and a U.S. military veteran. So shout out to him. Shout out to all the other veterans out there. And I'll see you in another life, brother. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again. See you in another life, brother.